Welcome everyone, my name is Shafi and I'm going to be bringing you guys yet another episode of Ryan Unfortunately, we haven't been able to post in the last few days, probably around a week or so, due to some technical issues as well as like, you know, Corona. Uh, but today we have a very special episode for you. We're going to be bringing mental health on the African continent. And we have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Pauline and she's with the uh, organization called Within and Without and they deal with mental health. So would you like to just briefly introduce yourself and your organization and what you do? Yes, thank you very much, Adnan. So my name is Pauline Gethy. I am 19 years old. And together with my best friend, Brenda, we have started the Instagram page called Within and Without. And so basically this page is just to promote effective awareness and just promote the whole cause of mental health on an African and just in the whole global scale, because we don't want to limit ourselves just to Kenya and just to Africa, because, you know, a lot of the people that we interact with also go abroad for studies or for work. So our whole basis is just to promote as much awareness and bring back the talk and just bring back the whole concept of mental health to change the narrative and also to promote as much solutions and just effective ways and treatment plans that don't necessarily have to be something that you have to pay for, but stuff that you can also do for yourself and by yourself and at home. So the whole concept of this is just to bring back the talk and make sure that the word goes out and not only to our peers and not only to our parents, but also to the government and also to just each and every economic standing point in order for us to even grow and just tackle it face on. Yeah, thank you very much for that uh, introduction. I think it's really important that, yeah, we acknowledge the work that you're doing because <clears throat> I personally feel that mental health is really, really taken a backseat on the African continent, especially because most of us are really, I'd say, we're socialized into a society that doesn't really take it seriously. And I'd say <clears throat> we really have to start dealing with it and especially through education, as you've just briefly said. And like, uh, just speaking on that, what do you think, what's your opinion about the current status quo um, that's uh, underlying the African uh, like society today? So when I think about mental health in Africa as a whole, I think of it, okay, if I was to put myself into the shoes of let's say my parents or my ancestors mm -hmm. i'll be like mental health is something that we shouldn't allow it's something that we should discriminate because it is just evil possessions and it's just witchcraft in its whole because when i read all these books and articles and novels about the whole africa conception of mental health they say that it's evil spirits when they see someone with an epileptic seizure they see it as an evil, evil possession and they pray for them or they just isolate them or they just leave them alone so this whole stigma it's not only public it's also self-stigma because once the people who are suffering from all these mental illnesses once they hear all the prejudice and all the discriminative and derogatory terms used against them it actually sits in their heart and sits in their chest in terms of them trying to understand their own mental health with what other people are saying. And once they try to understand it with the whole generalized opinion of it, it only makes matters worse. And that makes people mm. even not be able to gain the proper treatment that they want because treatment isn't only you having to go to a therapist or psychiatrist. Treatment starts with you. Treatment starts in your mind and what you think about yourself and your mental health. And so with this whole stigma, 
it just changes the whole concept it changes the thinking and changes the thought pattern of each and every single person and that's why the numbers of suicide the numbers of depression and anxiety are increasing by the day so in my opinion it's not only our community that's the problem it's even how we internalize it what we use it how we use it and how we understand it yeah that's, I'd, i'd like to just <clears throat> uh give you my full support on that um mm-hmm. i think there's there's a lot of misunderstanding um even within mm-hmm. the doctoral community about mental health um i also think um it stems to place as you said it comes from that um i'd say the the traditional belief that obviously it has to do with some form of possession See, yeah. some religious people also believe that to be true and i wouldn't discourage someone for making prayer if you do believe in a higher power um but i would tell people that um mental healthness i mean yeah mental illnesses sorry um can easily be compared to physical injuries insofar as uh the, mm. they actually need treatments and just yeah. like the same way that you control your diet so you don't get weight you have to control how you are receiving information when you're outside then how your emotions are fluctuating and um how it can translate to in, into a mental health illness or not um and also on top of that i think another issue um that comes up and i've noticed i've just said mental health illness twice <laughs> i mean <laughs> mental illness. um yes. but, but yeah what i'll say is like um when it comes to mental illness especially when it comes from an african perspective i mean we have a large amount as like a large amount of our population is living below the poverty line or at least they're making yeah. ends meet right um so when it comes to something like mental health people often think like you have bigger problems like no one's really caring about like okay um you know what's your what's what's your mental state right now uh what are your emotions like and all of these different things so mental health tends to get shoved under the carpet as a secondary issue uh which i don't necessarily that it's it's a good thing i think if if someone if we're dealing with poverty as a whole or even just in general right um we should be dealing with it holistically in so far as like we're dealing with both financial issues or dealing with the environment surrounding this financial issue and at the same time we're also giving people who are not able to for um for the facilities needed for mental health to get give them those facilities as well whether through education or otherwise yeah yes exactly yeah and, and also just Yeah, I'm sorry, go on, go on, go on, go on. Yeah. No, I just wanted to touch on that subject of just the treatment and just the facilities that we have because it brought me back to thinking about those one day that even when I was going through a few issues myself, I decided let me let me find like a facility or an institution that can help me. So I went online, I was typing in, you know, psychiatric hospitals in Kenya or in Nairobi, mm-hmm. and the numbers were limited. I only saw like around 10. and obviously five of them maybe were not in my vicinity maybe they were in kibera or somewhere that i don't usually go to and the other five they didn't even have good ratings and the fact that there are only five in a population where we're over 20 million in one city how can we only have five adequate mental health facilities when it's not something that only affects you know 10 people or 20 people it affects us on a global scale so I yeah that really really troubled me in the sense that we don't even care enough to create treatment and that brings us back to the whole stigmatized and connotations in our mind of mental health because as reading that 
a lot of our ancestors and just the people, our African traditions and communities, they believe that mental illnesses are not treatable. They think it's just mm. completely hopeless and helpless and you should just isolate that person and exclude them. So I guess that had a ripple effect even in our development plans and just and anything that we try to grow from. And it just leads to us not even having adequate treatment because we still have at the back of our mind that oh, it's not even treatable. So, you know, it doesn't even matter. Mm. So I really like that point. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a very interesting point. The fact that a lot of people don't think <coughs> that mm. mental health uh, is is treatable, which is is highly problematic in the sense that it means that people won't usually ask for help. And yeah. as we said, it is the twofold because if you only have five mental health or psychiatric wards uh, out of mm. the whole country, and I mean, uh, is it the whole city? I believe twenty million people. It's not yeah. really to to work out um i think when it comes when it comes down to that as a government uh they, they need to really start investing in that mm. as we've seen worldwide um i believe that the 10th leading cause of death is suicide mm-hmm. and i yeah, myself yeah. have lost three friends slash family to suicide mm. and we've had, so you know we've heard stories of people um like attempting to commit suicide and several of my friends i know for sure uh some of them have com- attempted to commit suicide or they've thought about it which i think for me is it's it's inherently um it's inherently problematic it's a future society that you can't escape from so the government yeah. has to find some way of taking care of it and can't just dance around the problem exactly yeah so I think also when it comes down to um, like mental health as a whole, we we start to see that um, it also doesn't just come from like you don't always have to be treated with let's say a medicine or something, or you don't have to go for counseling all the time. Although counseling is beneficial for everyone, uh, just to have someone to talk to. I'd like us perhaps to talk about more um, like I'd say self. Um, self-administered treatment. Um, one of them, for example, that I've heard of, uh, in terms of dealing with depression or anxiety, um, we'll talk about social media first, because I think it's a huge contributor to mental health. Yes, yes. Um, first of all, you, there's so many different types of mental health issues that can come from social media. You can have something like body dysmorphia, because mm. um, a lot of, especially with girls, um, girls are hypersexualized on social media platforms and mm. um, in the media in general. So when a woman uh, might look at another uh, woman who, like, let's say, boys consider attractive, they'll see that, okay, you know, maybe that's the way I need to be, to be a size zero to be attractive, and that's the only mm. way that someone else is going to like me. And then all of a sudden, someone starts, uh, they either get bulimia, and for those who, uh, who don't know what that is, it's where someone forces themselves to vomit, um, and that mm. they can lose weight, right? And then also they have anorexia who who deliberately stop themselves. So like, how does for you how does social media play into this mental health uh, issue here in Africa? What should we do in these uh, cases as individuals? Okay, when I think about um, how social media has affected us, I first want to see the statistics because. When we go back to when, you know, the whole concept of, you know, being on Facebook, being on Instagram, it all came about in the recent century, right? 
And mm-hmm. that's when the leading cause or just the amounts of, you know, suicide and depression increased. So they come hand in hand. Social media and mental illness has come hand in hand. Because even as we look at just the statistics in Kenya, the amount of su- the suicide rates between 2004 to 2016 ra- rose by 58%. Now, wow. that's when people, yeah, that's when people now on Instagram, Facebook, everything started coming, you know, Vine and just all the other applications. And it really made me think, could this be the problem? Could this be the cause? Because social mm. media is addictive. It's very addictive. I can be on my phone 24-7. And the thing is, mm. what am I doing on my phone? I'm not doing anything educational. I'm not reading a book. I'm not you know, reading an article, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Snapchat. And what I'm doing is I'm comparing myself to other people's lives while you're there tapping, you know, you're liking, you're commenting, you're actually not speaking to yourself while you're actually in your, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I wish I could be this person. And the thing is people always want the easy way out. People always want the quickest fix. And so when they see this person is skinny exactly what you're saying they will transcend into bulimia or something and they'll just do mm-hmm. horrible things to themselves and to their bodies and the problem with all these easy fixes is that the outcome isn't perfect it's not it's not how it seems because you can do that to yourself but how will it affect your mind because you have you know you've yeah. abstained and and you have taken away all these things that your body needs and that will have a ripple pe- effect on your mind because there's a reason why all our systems in our bodies are connected. There's a reason why our heart is connected to our mind. It's because they work together. And so when you Mm -hmm. don't treat one part of your body well, it will have an effect in your mind. And so as we continue to just, you know, scroll on social media, it will give you that feeling of sadness. And it, there are studies that have proven that it has made people feel like, they're less than they actually are. Their well-being is plummeting and they just feel less happy because even moments when I go on Instagram, I'm scrolling, I'm looking at all these Instagram models and I put my phone down, I don't feel the same. It will have Mm -hmm. an effect on the hormones in your brain, those serotonins and the dopamine, all those happy chemicals will plummet because of what you're feeding your brain. And so once you're doing that constantly and constantly, you're continuing to you know stop your brain from promoting all those chemicals and it will come to a point where it'll be completely depleted that's why you find people getting extreme depression just by social media and so yeah I think Mm -hmm. it's a very big and leading cause because we compare ourselves to each other a lot and that makes us forget who we truly are yeah I think um one interesting thing that I would like to mention about social media Um, I think one of the leading causes of depression is a continuous indulgence in instant gratification. Mm. So we're always looking for, you know, when we're posting a photo, you ask yourself, what am I posting this for? Exactly. Social media can be used for good. But sometimes when you're posting a photo, why are you taking 500 selfies of yourself? Right. (laughs) It's because you want other people to see that you look good. Or you want other people to affirm to yourself that you look good. And I guess you're putting your emotions and the way you see yourself, you're putting that responsibility of how do I view myself in the hands of other people, which I think sometimes can actually be quite toxic, especially when you measure your success 
through likes and all of that stuff. And especially now TikTok is a new app that's definitely come out. And you see you see a lot of it there. Uh, they, um, you see a lot of people that are, are leading TikTok creators. Uh, some of them might be, uh, there's a theory. Some might say, oh yeah, they're just there because they're attractive. And then all of a sudden, you know, people feel like they're not good enough. They don't have a place on TikTok. Um, and it just kind of, it becomes a popularity contest. And it kind of exactly. unearths the disgusting you know, toxicity that we have um, as a community in general uh, when we're starting to put this through on social media. Mm. Yeah. I definitely think like um, when we're using social media, we need to be responsible. Um, exactly. We need to also, like, like you know, everything in moderation. Uh, because uh, you start asking yourself, when was the last time, obviously, Corona time now, so we don't really <laughs> hang out with our friends physically as much. But yeah. I'd argue that even before Corona time, um, mm-hmm. we really didn't hang with our friends face to face. When was the last mm-hmm. time you went to explore nature? When was the last time you went out for a jog? And of course, I'm also going to rebuke myself here because I've not really gone out for jogging much or you know whatever. But I think mm-hmm. the more the more time you spend with individuals. Um, you know, just face to face, it's actually a healthy experience because it's not artificial, it's not exactly. fake. You're not really creating uh, that uh, that sort of connection that everyone is uh, striving for. Any more comments on that? Um, I wanted to actually go back to what you were saying of self gratification and how we have transcended from finding it in ourselves to finding it in other people. I really like that point because even when I was thinking about, you know, the posts that I post and just everything that I do online, who am I doing it for? Like, it's the likes and the comments that I am seeking. It's not that I actually like this photo. I'm seeking validation from other people. And the more you seek validation from other people, it will change the chemistry in your brain to the fact that even when you're looking for that partner, even when you're looking for that relationship or from that Mm -hmm. job, your mentality will always be the same. And the thing with mental illness, people think it will, it's, just, it's just something in your mind, but they forget that it will also affect your daily lives. It will affect your routine. It will affect you now and in the future. And so that seeking validation in other people will come a long way and it will really ruin you. And you'll start to even forget who you are to the point that you even give up on a lot of things that you were supposed mm-hmm. to do a lot of dreams that you had because you're not seeking them anymore. You're seeking them through other people. So I really, really like that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Even in the sense that um, I'll bring up a new point, I guess, um, when it comes to, mm-hmm. actually I'll add on first and then I'll, I'll, I'll mention a new point. It does actually affect your life because yeah. even, even in terms of school grades and all that stuff, um, like this is perhaps a different uh, reasoning, um, but when you go into school, especially in this new age of where college is easily accessible for the average um, African, I'd say, uh, obviously there's there's differences in different countries, but it's a benchmark for you to get a job, you need to go to university. And that puts a lot of pressure on an individual to the point where, you know, sleep deprivation has become normal. Right, yeah. um, and uh, so many people, so many people, are not sleeping um, enough, and that what what that leads to, or what that prompts, are obviously we're human beings, we're not robots. 
your body is mm. not used to those hours of sleep. You can't be going to work with three hours of sleep, right? Mm. And then obviously through that pressure, you get you know, weird um, forms of anxiety that end up leading people to uh, things like drugs, um, things like alcohol, um, yeah. and exce- like, you know, excessively drinking. And like, obviously, you know, if, if you, it goes back to the whole point of educating people these things if you don't know how to deal with these things you will start to resort to all different kinds of things to be able to get rid of your pain and you get temporary solutions to um long-standing issues which is definitely not the way to go um Mm. just yeah in general like work overload sleep deprivation that's the current state of things i mean i'm not sure if you agree but what do you what would you say no i definitely agree Um, I actually follow this uh, psychology page on Instagram and I remember I read one day that the number of patients or just the number of students who are in high school who have started to gain just anxiety and depression has risen just exponentially in the last few years Mm. and it's you know people think okay these guys have mental illnesses maybe it's something that you know they're going through at home or maybe it's you know they broke up with someone and this resulted to this but it's also just the pressures that we get in school because a lot of the you know the educational systems forget that yeah we are still human and as much as we're trying to get the best of grades not everyone you know is meant for school not everyone is academics not everyone is sports and that's another thing in the African community is that you know they you know the three the three jobs that's doctor engineer and lawyer exactly (laughs) so anything anything from that you're a disgrace and you're not working hard you're not smart you're not intelligent and so when you know children are pressured into these fields and they know in their heart that's not for them this will of course have an effect on their mental health because you know they're doing something they don't love they're forcing themselves and their mind to cope and just you know try and be something that they're not and yeah this will lead to a lot of issues like substance abuse a lot of addictions different disorders Mm -hmm. and so that's the reason why a lot of us have you know anxiety and just depression because I remember even when I was in A-levels gosh A-levels was difficult I don't know about you Adnan but it was insane there were hours where nights I didn't even sleep at all. And the thing about sleep deprivation Mm. is that it will have effect on your physical health. It will lower your immune system. It will have a toll on your mood swings. You wouldn't be able to concentrate. Your attention span will plummet. And that's not the best way to live because if you consistently don't sleep, by the end of the day, like after a month or two, your immune system is gone. So even if you contract like something small, like for example, this virus, that's why it's very, yeah. what's the word? It's very, um, there's a word I'm looking for, but it's gone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's easier to get it when, you know, when you already have an illness. I don't oh, know, yeah. I hope I'm making sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, yeah mental illness can can have an effect on your physical health and if it has an effect on your physical health that exposes you to so many other terrible and just horrible things in life that you were not even expecting and you forget that it actually stemmed from mental health the genesis was your mental health so Mm -hmm. yes sleep is very 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 important and just self-care and self-love and that's a lot that's something that a lot of us forget yeah 
No, I'll perhaps add on to that in terms of sleep. Obviously, everyone has their own, like, I wouldn't say that hours is ideal for every single person. Um, mm-hmm. But what I'll say is, like, you should be sleeping in cycles, right? Everyone yeah. has their different sleep cycles. It's up to you to study it, but you should be getting a healthy amount of sleep. And if you need mm-hmm. to talk to someone about it, whether it's a health professional or not, talk to them. Because I'll give you an example of, like, how crucial sleep is for us. And if we lose it, um, you know, mm-hmm. how severe the effects can be. So there will be mm-hmm. SEAL training, right? Um, mm-hmm. As usual, you know, when you go to the army, there there's no sleep. Um, obviously, there yeah. the conditions are a bit more extreme because your life is on the line. But yeah. in the Navy SEAL training, I think they had a combined, uh, I think it was three hours of sleep within over, stretched over five days. And oh for that, the guy who was telling the story, apparently he lost so much sleep that looked at his commander's face at the end of the week, it was a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> so, so actually, oh my listening. so like, I mean, like, yeah, it's that crazy. So obviously now, like, I'm not saying that everyone's going to have hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> but it shows how reliant on sleep we are. And like, yeah. I think the longest someone has gone without sleep is 11 days in total. But then they even started, they, they, they almost passed out, like, the, the, yeah. the urge to sleep was greater than the urge to eat. Um, yeah. So definitely, sleep is something that we need for our survival. Don't get too much of it, don't get too little of it. But really, we need to start having this conversation in schools. And obviously, that's going to bring yeah. me to the next topic. Um, okay. Before we, we move on to uh, a second uh, i'm gonna like take us on a tangent after this topic but we will see it's an interesting tangent but my my, my question would be right how would we be able to integrate mental health education into the current systems that we have okay that's a very interesting topic because i was actually having a conversation with someone who was suggesting that we should implement mental health talks to primary school students and I was thinking mm-hmm. how 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 would we do that because when I was in primary I didn't even know what mental health was I didn't even know uh, it was a thing I was just living my own life doing my thing and it was up until high school when you know I started to realize damn this thing is actually really important and it's actually affecting me and my daily routine and when it comes to just implementing it in an effective way, it all starts with the educational systems because mm-hmm. number one, our counsel- our counselors, are they really there for us? Because a lot of the people that we mentor, even on the within and without page, they don't have adequate counselors. And they tell me mm-hmm. like they went to the counselor, but they didn't really help them or they spoke to the counselor and they made it worse. Or they went to the counselor mm. and they kept, you know, trying to get an appointment and the counselor is like, no, this time, this time. And the thing is, when you're going through something now, you need to speak to someone now. So once the counselor tells you, you know, come mm. back tomorrow, what if it's an issue you're facing at home? What if it's an issue that you're facing with your, you know, your parents or your, or your siblings? Once I go home and come back, you know, I'm in a worse state from then on. And so with our education system, I think it should also be implemented in the subjects that we have because there's some there's some subjects i remember having such as you know re or just some religious ones why don't they implement something to do with mental health clearly they can see that the suicide rates in their schools are 
just growing and growing. The substance abuse is just growing and growing. And obviously the cause of this is just everything that the kids that are going through each and every day, they're trying to find a release. They're trying to find, you know, that source of happiness and joy and just trying to find that peace within themselves. And they will always Mm -hmm. look in the wrong directions because, you know, there's a lot of peer pressure. There's a lot of bad influences. And if they continue to neglect it and just, you know, they always tell yourself, you know, find yourself, you know, you should be yourself, you should be strong, you should be able to, you know, say no to people. But how, how can I say no to people when they're the people that I socialize with each and every day, day in and day out? And so I guess it should be something that should be implemented in as a subject, but that will be very difficult. And I know even if I petition something like that to our government here in Nairobi, they'll just put me in their piles. They just throw me and just it'll just be backlog for years and years. So there's not really much we can do about that right now. But of course, in the future, I think it's very, very important. But the first step is the counsellors. How, like, even just as themselves, are they here for the money or are they here to help students? They should yeah. really be vetted in an effective way to the point that they the like the principal or just the educational system is sure that this person is here to help our students and it's not them that the students have to come to them they should also go to the students they should Mm -hmm. observe their behaviors and their patterns and see oh this person seems to be you know really isolated they don't have friends let me go speak to them alone let me go do something about it but it's a very Mm -hmm. tricky thing to try and speak to someone who's been isolated because Sometimes it isn't your mm-hmm. choice. Sometimes, you know, you're depressed, but it's like stopping you from speaking to people and being with your friends. And so it will be a process and it will be a journey. And you can't tell these people, oh, you have to be friends with mm-hmm. so-and-so because he's going through something. So it has, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a very difficult topic to try and, you know, to try and find solutions to. But I think one step at a time. First of all, what are our counselors doing? How are our teachers treating us? Mm. How, you know, how are, are we treating each other? Who is actually advocating for the people who are depressed, the people who are having anxiety attacks? Because we just look at it and we laugh. We just look at it and we, you know, we throw it behind us. So we just need to start mm. bringing back the talk. Once we start talking about it, then, you know, people will start bringing solutions and just you know different forms of aid and you know just maybe even having intergroup um group interpersonal therapy even within schools but yeah gosh what do you think i think that's a very difficult topic to try and tackle yeah i think the first the first issue as we say it's it's a important issue because uh you have the societal problem the culture surrounding mental is just it's not the right place to be even bring up these conversations because it's not the right time but i think it's slowly by slowly i think we're, we're improving as a nation uh but when it comes down to even funding you our government post corona i honestly don't see any like mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of projects not even mental health mental health was exactly. already neglected but i think we're going to see a new era of uh like almost super neglect of um, mental health because there's no money mm. and i think uh, that's not necessarily like a, a roadblock uh, but i think obviously there are organizations especially in western countries that know about seriousness of mental health sincerely mm. want to do or support programs that um that, that agree or like i'd say agree, what am i saying um that uh 
support programs that are trying to empower people uh, mm-hmm. to actually learn more about mental health. As as for what we can, I think obviously you know things like within and without are, are perfect, right? Uh, you get uh, the youth starting conversation about it. And you start to brand that way, um, and through social media, the same thing that can easily cause uh, mental health issues. You can be able to um, shut off that sort of supply of bad information and fill people with, you know, good ideas and good plans to be able to help them. And like once that happens, you can translate that into organization, like making the whole thing. Go go to schools instead of having to pay you just go have presents and all that stuff i think that's the way to do it and the moment we start with non-governmental um, organizations taking the lead when the government uh, has enough money or enough time which i don't know how long that is going to be honestly um, we can start to actually look into the logistics of uh, mental health as a edu- or like uh, being integrated in the educational system for sure. mm, yeah <coughs> yeah and like one more thing, perhaps uh, before we we head offline, um, mm-hmm. this even perhaps going to uh, the biggest causes of mental health. Which just even like this one is a huge taboo, and I've been hesitant to mention it, but I can mm-hmm. see it translating into mental health. Um, it comes from mental health, and it causes more mm-hmm. mental health issues for both men and women, right? Or even boys and girls, mm-hmm. right? And unfortunately, it's getting normalized, right? And a lot of boys, I think it's 92% of all boys have, have watched pornography at least once, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one is a huge one. Uh, I, I'd say that in terms of causing mental health, because one, obviously now, men are going to start having a certain idea of what sex or beauty standards should be like. And that obviously really leads into like toxic relationships. In some cases, it, like it even gives people this sort of entitlement over women, and like sometimes that translates to uh, someone actually getting raped, right? Obviously, like it's down to people to control themselves and be appropriate. Um, but like we, we have to ask ourselves, right? This is something that's causing mental health on a lot, like uh, mental health issues on a large scale, right? Because it's a huge mm-hmm. dopamine well, right? Yeah. And people think it's like a quick to the problem. So pornography addiction is a real thing, right? Yeah. And that's hand in hand with masturbation and all that stuff. And like it's become such a huge issue to the point now where obviously, but now it's normalized, right? Uh, by mm-hmm. in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. That to the point where people actually just think, you know what, this is fine. I'm going to use this as my cure. While in fact, it's actually just leading me on a deeper hole. Because like, obviously now you're going to start dealing with different issues and all that. And then now, obviously, you start sexualizing women more. As we said, that leads into the social media thing we just talked about. Um, defining beauty standards for society. People's worth. The Women no longer become even um, like just human beings. They become objects. So, like, obviously, what's what are your thoughts on that? Because I don't know if you've managed to address that um, in that past, perhaps. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yes, we have actually spoken about it on the Within and Without page. And while I was just doing my readings on the suicide rate in Kenya, it mm-hmm. indicated that the amount of suicide in the male community was actually more than the females. And to be honest, personally, I thought it was the other way around. I don't know. I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, females are more emotional of course they're more subject you know to doing something like that but it was actually males it was I think four out of Mm -hmm. ten in males and three out of ten in females 
And mm-hmm. when I look at how males try to deal with the issues that they're going through, of course, there's already that neglect in the fact that we already put this whole prejudice around them that, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't cry, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't show your emotions, you should just keep it inside, you know, be a man, you know, grow some balls, you know, all those terminologies that we use are actually making matters worse. And so this is why we find more males than females drink, more males than females, you know, use pornography, more males than females, you know, subject themselves to these addictions and substance abuse because they're trying to find a fix. They're trying to find a way to fit in in society, trying to, you know, still be the best that they can be. But in a world that is, you know, pushing them down and just shoving them aside, forgetting that they also have emotions. They have the same chemicals. You know, we all have the same yeah. body chemistry. We are all equal. So why don't we treat ourselves the same? Why don't we have that equality in the sense of helping each other and helping each other rise instead of that whole stigma of, you know, males should just, you know, be the breadwinner. They should, you know, there's just so much responsibility mm. placed on males. You know, that whole concept of they should be the one providing, <coughs> they should be the one paying the checks, they should be the one, you know, doing this and that. And that responsibility actually takes a toll on their mental health. And we neglect that. We just ignore it. We're like, okay, it's fine. They can deal with it. <laughs> They're males. And it's just yeah. that whole, it's just that we have changed the term male. We have changed it from just simply a sex to this whole homogeneous person that, you know, is strong and can take on mm-hmm. everything. But the thing, the fact is they can't. They're just as vulnerable. They're just as, you know, incapable of doing some things as females. And how are we helping them? We're not. And that's why, you know, most males are at bars, most males, you know, in the clubs looking for women. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole problem. And when I was also reading about um, just mental illness and how it also affects just different areas of life, it showed that it is in comorbidity with, you know, HIV and AIDS and malaria. And it mm-hmm. was saying that the numbers are more in males. So we're actually making it even worse to the point that they, we make them feel that, you know, they need to even sexualize women in order for them, you know, to be strong. And this actually leads them to them not taking care of themselves well, them being contracted with all these various viruses and diseases. And that's the reason why the male society is even failing. That's why, you know, even till this day, I was even speaking to my friends. I'm like, oh, my God, where am I even going to find a man? Every, you know, all of these men are just, you know, they're going insane. But... <laughs> Whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? It's not their fault. It's our fault. It's how we're treating them. It's how the expectations that we're putting on them is the reason why they are plummeting. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I found that really funny because I actually thought like, wow, we have really caused the male society to just, you know, feel like they aren't enough. And so they just do Mm -hmm. anything. They just, you know, they just fall into all these social pressures and just plummet and... It's really saddening. And the thing is, no one is talking about it. There's no male empowerment. You're all only seeing, you know, female empowerment, female rights, female this, female that. What about the males? We have tried to rise so much as females that we have completely forgotten about the males. And why are we rising alone? Because the only way that you can properly rise is if we rise together. Two is always better Mm -hmm. than one. So if we neglect each other, if we are trying to Mm -hmm. fight for ourselves and forgetting about the other person, how will we truly grow? We won't. We Mm -hmm. won't grow. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that. Because I think 
Yeah, definitely. I think feminism, right? When it when it mm. says, um, I think a lot of people forget the definition of feminism, and yeah. um, it's not necessarily saying that men are the problem all the time, but rather mm. patriarchy as a system is the problem, right? Yeah. So obviously, patriarchy deals with you know. When a when a boy is brought up into the world, he's like, oh yeah, you know, you can't cry, you have to be strong, um, you you know, you all of these different things. Like you have to keep your emotions in. How dare you? You're the honor of the family. So how dare you <laughs> exactly. go outside and like you 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 you're crying in public? Who are you? Are you a girl? And then it's like all of that compounds obviously into people not wanting to share their feelings when you go into mm-hmm. boys groups. They won't, you know, they they won't want to share their feelings. And then what happens? Like eventually, over time, people just they're not worth it enough. The stress starts mm-hmm. to build up. You start to see depression coming up. Do you think you want to see your boys coming and seeing you going to? No, because it'll be embarrassing for you. So no, don't go to the exactly. counselor. Over time, over time, over mm-hmm. time, what do you see? The boys, some of them even cut themselves. And then mm-hmm. obviously you hide the cuts. Then when all is over, you just find someone killing themselves. So I agree with you. Um, I think as feminists, um, like, you know, it's important to tackle an issue which is patriarchy and to also understand that, yeah, it's not, it's not like, yeah, we're not trying to say that obviously like um, that, that uh, for example, males have it worse than everything compared to women because, uh, yeah, society is definitely biased towards males. But there are certain areas in which we have to admit and come to bring to ourselves the fact that it's true that more males than females are killing themselves on a daily basis mm. and it is a serious issue it's not one where it's like feeling concerned it's like one where lives are actually concerned and like that's something we have to actually as you said we have to start rising together to actually deal with the issue yeah, yeah exactly so then you want to say before we close off, because um, I can see we're just about to reach 45 minutes. <laughs> yes. No, I think we've covered more than enough. Yeah. Thank you very, very much for having me, though. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Yes. And I and hope we'll think... be able to just continue the talk of mental health and continue to, you know, promote the awareness and just bring, change the narrative and just change the whole misconception and the African perspective of mental health. Yeah, I think it's definitely a long road ahead, but like conversations yeah. like this what start, start everything. Mm. And I'll just, exactly. I'll give people the same example of, of how Western, Western American, or like, sorry, the slavery in the world or the new world in quotes, actually uh, came to a halt, mainly because all of the, you know, people decided conversing with each other, slaves started talking mm. with each other. And mm. although it took, you know, a very long time, centuries upon centuries, if we don't start moving the ball, then we can expect it to be moving forward. So exactly. you have to have momentum behind it. So I think that this, these talks, no matter how small they are, are a very good way of actually uh, attempting to actually bring this conversation to the fore. So definitely, thank you so much. No uh, problem. out of your day. Um, and again, everyone, if you want to uh, be a part of our organization or help out in any way, just go onto Instagram and uh, tag in within.n.without, and you should be able to find them on Instagram and participate, with, engage with their content, and make mental health something that's taken more seriously on the African continent and the rest of the world. Without further ado, 
again thank you pauline and thank uh, you. we'll thank end so the show all right. And the show here. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. We hope you're staying safe during these difficult times, and we will be coming with an episode as soon as we can. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time.